Thank you for joining the Together Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Our prayer is, is that today's message will inspire you and help you move closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy today's message. So we're in our final week of a series on the book of Jonah. And we left off last week. We saw the Ninevites had turned to salvation. They had found salvation. God saved them all. And he did it through five words that were preached by Jonah. God converted these 600,000 people, an entire city he converted unto himself. And there was a lot to be celebrating. This was a really miraculous story. Like these evil people all came to know Jesus. And, and one would think that Jonah would be a man that was like, oh, this is incredible. I need to write a book on how to write short sermons and convert the worst of people. And you would think that Jonah would pause for a minute and be so thankful to God for using him to see people be drawn unto himself. But that's not what happened. I mean, Jonah is, are you ready for this? Because Jonah 4.1 says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. That's right. Jonah is angry that the Ninevites have been forgiven. He didn't think they deserved it. Could you imagine? It would be like God allowing us as a church to see thousands of people in our community come to know Jesus. And we would get mad about it and throw a temper tantrum. Jonah has still not accepted that God's purpose and his desire was to save the wicked and ill-deserving people. I mean, it, it's greater than Jonah's dislike, and, and, and he's angry about it. And he tells God, this is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh to start with. I didn't want the people to be saved. In verse 2, he says, and he prayed to the Lord, and he said, oh, Lord, is, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That, that is why I made a haste to flee to Tarsus. For I knew that you're a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah, he wanted God to give the Ninevites what they deserved. He wanted them to have a swift and final justice for all the hatred they had towards the Jewish people. But look at what he says in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So just in case you missed it, Jonah is very angry. He's very moody right now. He's very angry at God. And again, all because God saved the Ninevites. He couldn't deal with that. He didn't know how to handle that. And what we see here is that Jonah is living in this life of contradiction. Thank you, God, for saving me, but don't save Nineveh. Thank you for being patient with me, but don't be patient with Nineveh. Thank you for being graceful, but don't give any of that grace to Nineveh. Everything that Jonah despises about God right now, he himself has experienced. God has been patient and slow to anger with him. Jonah forgets that the fish could have just swallowed him whole, but it was God's grace that allowed him to be spit out on the shores of Spain. Instead of being resentful, Jonah needs to be grateful in this moment. It's true that at times you and I forget how good God has been to us. It's so easy to just go back to complaining about everything, to soak in anger and soak in bitterness. But if we would take one moment just to think about all that God has done for us, life would be completely different. This is what Jonah needs to be doing 
counting every blessing. And he has yet to admit that he himself is a sinner in need of God's grace. He doesn't see that. So Jonah lets this thing get to him. It eats at him so much that right now he's asking God just to kill him. Jonah would rather die himself than to see his enemies become brothers and sisters in Christ with these Ninevites. It's really easy for us to think that this is a crazy thing, but I want you to think about it. What if this, this grace, what if we had to offer grace to the person that hurt you, your ex, and they repented? Would you be okay worshiping next to these people that hurt you in eternity? I guess that's the tension for us. Are you okay with God being gracious to everyone the way that he's been gracious to you? Ponder that question just for a moment. Would you be okay? And if the answer to that question is no, then you're in the same spot that Jonah's in. And while Jonah soaks in his anger, God begins to speak to him. And look in verse 4. He says, And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? In other words, do you have any reason to be angry, Jonah? I mean, what do you have to be mad about? Because the same grace that Jonah has been given is the same grace the Ninevites have been given. So you're really angry about that, Jonah. Again, he wanted Nineveh to be destroyed, not forgiven. He thinks that God's being too soft. He has zero reason to be angry. So what does Jonah do? Well, just like a three-year-old, Jonah storms out of the room, mumbling under his breath to go and have a pity party all by himself. And again, Jonah had yet to realize that he can't outrun God. In verse 5, it says that Jonah went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade until, until he should see what would become of the city. And now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be the shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So understand this. Jonah sits under the shade and he pouts. Meanwhile, God appoints a plant and made that plant cover him from the heat of the desert. And verse 6 says that Jonah was happy. This is the first time that we see Jonah happy in this passage. Notice that he's happy when the provision of God benefited him. And we're always happy to receive God's provision, aren't we? But only as long as it matches our preferences. Jonah wants shade. God provides the plant. Jonah needs a heart change. He needs an attitude adjustment. And God provides an opportunity for him to love his enemies. And he hates it. And that brings us right back around to the question. Are you okay with God giving grace to those that you hate? John 13, 35 says that people will know that you and I are disciples by the way we, you ready? The way we love one another. Hear me out. It's impossible to love God and to hate those who are made in his image. You, listen, you cannot love people and size them up at the same time. God's provision for Jonah is not for his comfort right now. It's to fulfill his calling. Rick Warren once so famously said that God is more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. Listen, you're going to go through some stuff. The breakthrough may never come, but God will use those times to instill within us his character. 
Jonah is more concerned with his own comfort and desires than with God's calling and his will. And God will often put us in situations and places where our comfort and our desires are pressed so that they might conform to his. And this is evidence of God's great love, isn't it? That he would go to great lengths to help his children learn to love the things that he loves and to do the things that he desires. So what does God do here with Jonah in all of this? What does he do? The Bible tells us in verse 7, But when the dawn had it came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. There was a storm, there was a well, and there was a worm. And so the plant withered, and when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die again. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, and which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? And that's it. The story ends right there with Jonah. We, we are left with this cliffhanger. It ends abruptly with no apparent resolution on the part of this rebellious prophet. But however, the story has now come full circle. You see, God began by calling Jonah to preach his message to these Ninevites. And now he has returned to deal with, with this one. God's great love is not only for these renegade cities with thousands of lost souls, but it's also for the heart of this one rebellious prophet. I believe that this story in Jonah ends this way for a very good reason. The writer, he didn't intend to tell us about Jonah but to put God's question clearly before you and me. Do you care more about plants or people? More about temporary things or eternal souls? I mean, off the hip, we would say, well, we love people. Like, we love people. We, we want people to be found and be saved. But let's really ask some probing questions. Do you care for lost people? Do you, you care about lost people? It's really easy for us to read this passage and then criticize Jonah. But the truth of the matter is we are all Jonah. We are all hypocrites. Every year at Yom Kippur, the, the synagogue, the Jewish people will read the book of Jonah. And when they finish reading the book of Jonah, they'll say this, we are Jonah and they're right because we are all Jonah. We can be such hypocrites. And we have a principle here at Together Church that we teach and it's called change what you care about. And until we change what we care about, people may not find Jesus through us because we will never take it and make it a priority to share the gospel with people. And if we're going to be about the business of the Father, we have to change what we care about. And at Together Church, we care about lost people and found people. Your story belongs here and it's safe here at Together. I mean, you think about lost people. Are, are lost people, even your enemies, just a concept to you? 
Or are your enemies and lost people, are they real, living, breathing people that will spend an eternity separated from God? And no matter what their sin or wickedness is, God's grace and His compassion is greater. No matter what they have done to you, you are called to share what God has done for them. And not only that, but to love them just like God loves you. If you pay attention throughout this entire book of Jonah, you're going to notice this word great is repetitive. There's a great city. There's a great storm. They were greatly afraid. It says the greatest of them. The whole point is to show you the greatness of God's mission and the greatness of his grace. I mean, Nineveh's wickedness is great, but God's grace is greater. Jonah's hatred for Nineveh is great. The value of the Ninevite salvation is greater. What this story shows is that those who have received this great grace, they should be the first to give grace. Now, I'm preaching to myself, by the way, because when we flee from God's presence, it's always, and I mean always, will lead you to problems. But God is always faithful to save, even in the middle of our disobedience. Why? Because what Jonah has said all along, salvation is of the Lord. God's ability to forgive infinitely greater than our ability to sin. God doesn't come after you because he needs you. He comes after you because you need him. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And notice Jesus didn't let our sin become, it didn't come between us and him. He gave his life so that you and I could, could have a relationship with him. The world could have a relationship with him. God the Father, he left his throne in heaven to live among us and to show us an example and to save us. He became our sin. Jesus spoke of this good shepherd who leaves the 99 to pursue the one that is lost. And with the city of Nineveh now safely in the fold, God turns all of his attention to the wandering soul that has been chosen to belong to him and to bear his message in his name. God doesn't just care to use us to accomplish his work like some cruel master. He cares for the hearts of his own. It's a really weird way just to leave a book. But Jonah ends right there in verse 11, abruptly just ends. And as we look back over these last four weeks of this entire book, we see a God that continuously cares about people. He loves his people. And he wants to use you and I as his followers to continue to proclaim the gospel, to continue to make disciples. That's what we have been called to do. God cares. He cares about the person who has offended you. He cares about the person that has hurt you. And we are to show them grace and we're to show them love and we're to share with them. And that may be uncomfortable, but we have a choice. We can sit underneath the tree and underneath the heat and pout, or we can do what we've been made to do. And we can go and share the gospel with people. I hope that this series has challenged you and I hope that you'll go back and read this whole book of Jonah. I love the story, and there's so much more that we can talk about. But today, we're just gonna, we're gonna end this series with this challenge to understand this, so that the whole premise, God cares for you, and he cares for people. He cares for people. 
So the question is, what are you gonna do about that today? What is the Holy Spirit telling you through this entire series? What is he speaking into your life? And now, whatever that is, what are you gonna do with that? How are you gonna apply that into your life so that people around you can begin to hear and see the gospel being lived out and being talked about in your life? We're so thankful that you joined us today. I just wanna pray for you and just ask God just to continue to work and do a work in your life and to change what it is that you care about, that you would care for lost people that are around you. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for allowing us to gather as a church. Even though it's digitally, God, we are still experiencing your power and your presence where we are. And Lord, I just pray for our church that you would continue to give us a heart that would be for lost people. God, that we would go out and make disciples and continue to make that our number one thing that you've called us to do. You didn't call us to build large churches. You didn't call us to even build the church. You said that you would build your church and you've called us to make disciples. May your Holy Spirit just continue to change the things that we care about, that our hearts would be driven towards those who do not know you. And Jesus, we thank you for what you're gonna do and we pray these things in your name, amen.